Well, good morning. Hey, church. Um, don't ever get over being thankful for what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I just sit here just overwhelmed with the presence of God. I love it when we sit down in here and he just sits down with us. I love it when it gets awkward and I really don't know what to do. Most people try to hide behind awkwardness. I just embrace it. I live there the majority of the time. And so to really be awkward, we'll probably start out the morning with with an open altar call before we even get started. You think I'm kidding, Will. You're laughing. But I want to pray that God comforts us because we all know that tonight is game seven for the Braves. We know how this whole thing's going to turn out. So I just thought we could begin the morning on our face before God, just asking him to comfort us, to give us strength to make it through 2021. Hey, it is what it is. We all laugh. We just own it. We just know how it's going to go. We're Braves fans and Georgia fans. (laughs) Sorry, I had to, yeah, yeah, go dogs. Praise God. Anyway, we're going to jump right in. But I truly do hope you understand how amazing it is to have a team that leads us like the team that just led us into the presence of an almighty, holy, righteous God. Man, it's a beautiful picture to see when people are sensitive and when we throw schedules out the window, when we just listen to what God is leading us to do. Um, You know, as I was studying this week, and I'll just go ahead and preface it with this. This week's message, we're looking at the third pillar of of our vision statement that God has laid on our hearts here. And I can tell you that this is probably the most simplistic message that you will hear. This is not rocket science today. This is very practical. It's not something that's earth shattering, but it's something that I believe that we can all take from here and apply it to every aspect of our life. And so we're gonna do that. And, but first of all, I wanted to kind of set the stage. I know that we have a lot of, um, within our church family here, we have a lot of, of firemen and firewomen. We have a lot who serve our community. And also, I just wanna say thank you for what y'all do because a couple of weeks ago, I got to experience this firsthand. I got a phone call. I was on the way home from work, and it was Brock, my oldest son. And usually if he calls, he's wanting me to fix something. And he says, Daddy, you got to hurry and get home. I said, why? He said, the neighbor's house is on fire. That's not something you hear every day. So literally got home, and it's actually the, the, the house behind our neighborhood was completely engulfed in flames. And so, you know, being the helpful citizens that we are, the fire trucks were already there. So we did what all neighbors do. We ran over there and we pulled out our phone and began to video, right? That's just, <laughs> that's just what we do. Because the firemen had it under control, which leads, yes, 9-1 Jeff, which leads me to tell you, man, I'd sat there and I watched three to four fire trucks up and down the side of the row. I watched EMTs, I watched all of these medical professionals just absolutely come together like a well-old machine. Watch them bust into the house. Watch them come out of the house. Watch all the stuff that they are doing. And, and you could tell that there was a lot of training that had gone into what they were doing. 
And so I watched and it began to click with me. I remember going back years ago, my brother was going through that. He was a, used to be a firefighter. And I, you, you get to invited to their trainings. You get, as they're getting ready to graduate, you get to watch them put out propane tanks and you, you get to watch them do all of the stuff that firefighters do. They'll be inside these buildings that are burning in flames and you'll get to see them come out. And it really clicked with me why a fireman does what a fireman does. Because the reality is, is why they do what they do is because they are experiencing the very thing that the people who are trapped are experiencing. Because in their training, they're in the houses that are burning, they're feeling the heat, they're feeling the darkness, they're feeling the confusion as to how do we get out of here, what do we do? And then all of a sudden, they're, they're experiencing everything that's caving in on them. But while they're experiencing that, what they also has experienced is when they step onto the front porch of the house and they see freedom. They go from being in the darkness, they go from being in the confusion, from the smoke, not knowing which way to go, not knowing what way is out, but then all of a sudden when they find it, they've experienced the freedom. And so that really sets the stage for our third pillar that comes in our vision statement here. And so now for a little review time. Some of you didn't study, I can tell, because it got really awkward. You're that kid that when the teacher did a pop quiz, you're already going, oh God, I didn't even read that chapter last night. I know how you are. But our vision statement that supports saturating the world with the good news is that at Chestnut Mountain Church, we are a community of believers found in Christ, established on Christ, building disciples of Christ and sending disciples for Christ. I said building instead of making, didn't I? I even messed, Brandon, you get, see, he studied. He knows it, he's correcting me. Thank you for that, student. But the four words that I want you to remember, you don't have to remember the whole thing, but the four words is the ones we talked about last week, are found, established, making, and sending. So you ready for that? Can you do it? Are you ready? We're gonna sound like kindergartners here. You ready? One, two, three. Found, established, making, sending. One more time. Found, I've always wanted to do that. You tell how I have no rhythm, absolutely none. But what we're gonna do today is look at establish. I mean, look at, man, Brandon, now you've confused me because you. I've tell you, what is it? Making, he's got my notes. Thank you, Brandon. We're gonna look at making disciples today. Now, as men, we know that when we make disciples, when we make something as men, we've gotta know what it is that we're making, right? Now, men, we try to do things on our own. I had an awkward conversation with a husband and wife. They were arguing in the hallway just a moment ago because he tried to put a ceiling fan together without the directions, didn't go so well. She didn't sleep last night because it blah, 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 blah. It was everywhere. Loose screws. She threw them in the trash can. He didn't need them, he said. And so if we're making disciples, if you're putting together a ceiling fan, we gotta know how it goes together. And so when we're talking about making disciples, we've gotta know what a disciple is. We've gotta know what it is that we're making. I was blown away at the simplicity of the definition and the English definition of what a disciple is. I want you to write this down if you've got notes or you're taking notes. But a disciple is this, 
one that accepts and assists in spreading the very thing that they accepted. Listen to that again. One that accepts and assists in spreading the very thing that they accepted. What's interesting, that really parallels Colossians chapter two last week. Because when Paul challenged them, he said, look, you've received him, now walk with him. Pretty simple. You've received him as your savior, so now your duty as a follower of Christ is to walk with him. So now what we're seeing, even in the context of what a disciple is, you've accepted it, so now spread it. You've been saved by the grace of God, so now we've got to tell other people about this grace of God. And so we see that there's something that has taken place that has provoked a response. And that's what we're going to be looking at today is because we know that to walk with Christ, we know that to walk with him is to be in fellowship with him. And so we're going to look today at, at even expanding on being in fellowship with and how we are in fellowship with but more importantly, as we are in fellowship with him, we begin to make disciples. And so I want you to turn to the gospel of John, John chapter eight. John chapter eight, and we're gonna look at one verse and we're gonna spend a good bit of time just in this one verse. And we're gonna look at the words of Jesus here in verse 31. I love it when I hear pages flipping. Y'all just keep flipping. John chapter eight, verse 31. It says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. Here again, this is very similar to Colossians chapter two. The Jews have now received him. So now what? They've received him. So now something is gonna take place after that. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's very important, the context of what Jesus, who Jesus is talking about. He's talking about these Jews who now have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why that is so important is because the Jews had been married to this idea of religion. They're, they had been married to this mindset that they have to, to perform in order to make God love them. They know, we know that, that the law had, had expounded, had gone from, from 10 commandments to now man had gotten hands on it. And now there are over 600 plus rules that they must follow. And this is what in their mind, this is how they pleased God. So they had lived under the bondage of trying to earn God's love, trying to make God love them. And, and Jesus is saying, look, as a Jew, now that you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're now freed from that. And so very similar to the firemen that we talked about just a moment ago, these Jews had lived in trap. They had been enslaved to the bondage of following the law. They had been suppressed. They had been trying to figure out ways to make God love them. And then all of a sudden they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden they step into freedom. The chains of bondage of following the rules had been broken. They had been set free in Christ. But guess where that was revealed from? From the word of God. From the word of God. And because they have accepted that now, 
They are now true disciples, and it says that the true disciples will continue in the word of God. So they've trusted in the word, they've trusted in what Jesus has done, and now they're declared innocent by the work of someone else. So just like the firemen, they have been released from the bondage, they've been released from from the darkness, they've been released from what was hopeless, to now they've stepped into the freedom of Christ. And this is the driving force why firemen do what they do. Because they know what it was like to be here and they know what it was like to step here. As a follower of Christ, this is the very thing that motivates us to share the gospel. This is the very thing that motivates us to saturate the world with the good news. Because as an unbeliever, we were in darkness. We were lost. We were separated from God. And then the word of God poked our hearts. Then the Holy Spirit drew us. We surrendered to that and we stepped from darkness to light. And when we experience that freedom, we can't help but talk about that freedom. And so that is the beginning step of what a disciple is. And so the reason that we as a community of believers here go, the reason that we saturate the world with the good news, the reason that we make disciples is very simple because we are disciples. We've received salvation We understand the freedom. And so now we spread what we've received. It's not a very difficult concept. It's not a very difficult concept. When we experience the freedom in Jesus Christ, we can't be quiet. You know, I think back 15 years ago when my wife and I first got married. We went to the, to the beach. We went to Panama City. That's where all young married couples go, right? And men, you can relate. The best part of going to the beach is where you're going to eat at night, right? Who cares about the sand? Who cares about the water? But where are we going to eat? I remember on the way. We were on the way to the beach. And I said, Chelsea, I cannot wait to take you to this amazing restaurant at Panama City. So I'm sure in her mind, this was something romantic that we were probably going to be on the seaside, you know, watching the sunset, watching the the waves crash the shore, but it had nothing to do with any of that. The place I was wanting to go had a big old bull out in front of it, and it's called Angelo's. Y'all know where I'm talking about, because I had tasted and I had seen that the ribs were good. And so I talked about it. I bragged about it. And she said, I'm not going there. I don't want anything to do with that. We're going to the beach. We're supposed to eat seafood. I said, no, we go to the beach. We eat at Angelo's. But how selfish would it have been of me not to share that with her? Right? Right. I've received it. So now we got to talk about it. So we wake up. We went there. She finally submitted. (laughs) Tane, what are you laughing at? She submitted and we went to Angelo's. Got up the next morning and I asked the question that all men ask at 10 o'clock on the beach. Honey, where are we eating tonight? Do you know what she said? She said, can we go back to Angelo's? (laughs) Praise God. She tasted and she saw that the ribs were good. But how selfish would it have been me not to share and to talk about that? As a fireman, 
A fireman understanding the darkness, understanding the entrapment, understanding the confusion. How selfish of a fireman not to share the experience that he felt or she felt when they stepped onto the front porch finding freedom. How selfish of us as a follower of Jesus Christ to live in the bondage of sin, to live in the darkness, to live in the hopelessness and not share the light that is found in Jesus Christ. If we've been saved by the grace of God, we cannot be quiet about it. How selfish of us that we keep the good news to ourselves. There's nothing more selfish than not sharing the good news of who Jesus Christ and what is available through him. And so, yes, our heart's desire, even here at Chestnut Mountain, is as we go, we make disciples, meaning that we're sharing the gospel. We wanna see people baptized. We wanna see people surrender their heart and their life to Christ. Next Sunday, I think we're gonna have seven, eight baptisms. I have no idea, but there's gonna be a lot of people getting baptized next Sunday. That's what we wanna see. But hear my heart when I tell you that. That is not the end. That is just the beginning process of making a disciple. Because what the word of God says, what Jesus himself says, a true disciple is what? In my word. You're growing in my word. Just like we talked last week about being established on Christ, meaning that we're firmly rooted in him. And as we're firmly rooted, our roots are gonna grow deeper. And the way our roots grow deeper is by the power of the word of God. This is how our roots grow grow. This is when we become more established on him. Now, you say, okay, well, we love seeing people saved. We love people seeing, see people get baptized, but what do we do now? What do we do after this? We stay in the word of God. We begin the process of making disciples. Now, look, I understand that there's a misconception of of what this process is and what it looks like because there's a lot of Christians that believe that the disciple makers are me and the staff here at this church. While that is partly true, it doesn't all fall on our shoulders. You see, if we were limited to saturate the world with the good news with the team that serves here, we wouldn't be saturating a whole lot. And so there's a misconception of this discipleship process because Christians believe that it has to just be the staff members. It's who works at the church. Because I know that church staff, they only work one day a week. They're only there on Sundays, right? That's what y'all, not not (laughs) y'all. That's what some people think. But here's what I want you to hear is when we talk about the idea of making a disciples and whose role that is and how this whole thing fits together. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. And we're gonna read verses 11 and 12 to begin with. And then we'll keep moving on. But verse 11, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus and he says in verse 11, and he gave some 
as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints of the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. What Paul is not saying here is he is not saying that it's the hired church staff to be the only ones who is saturating, that it's the hired church staff to be the only ones who are making disciples. And in reality, what he's talking about here is my role, this team's role, is to equip you to saturate the world with the good news. It's to give you an opportunity to serve. It's to give you an opportunity for your roots to grow because the reality is what I love about this team, this team doesn't want it to be about us. We want it to be about the kingdom and we want it to be about you. We love seeing you flourish in the position that God has placed you in. And so what Chestnut Mountain Church is gonna be about is very simple. We're gonna teach the word We're gonna stand on the word. We're gonna encourage through the word. But listen to this. We are going to provide opportunity for you to live out the word. We are to equip the saints. Guess who the saints are? That's you as a follower of Jesus Christ. As our role is to equip you for the work of the kingdom. I love the quote by Benjamin Franklin. It says this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is kind of my heart's desire. Benjamin Franklin said this, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. We want you involved. We want you with your hands actively to the plow. Because as we equip the saints, as we equip you for the works of the service, we read right there exactly what happens. It builds up the body of Christ. It builds up the body of Christ. And this is the very reason that we stress that we pray continuously for you to get plugged in. For you to surround yourself, for you to saturate yourself, for lack of better words, in this community of believers. You know, Sam just announced a moment ago that we're gonna be able to jump back and do kids on Wednesday nights. You know, there was a reason that also we couldn't open back up on kids on Wednesday nights because we didn't have enough people serving. Just being completely transparent and wide open here. But praise God, our pray for three weeks ago, we all gathered in that front lobby and you know what we prayed? God, send the workers. Send the workers. First time we prayed about it. We were all begging God. Did you know by 9.30 that night, Sam had texted me and she said, I can't believe this. I said, what? She said, I've had three volunteers contact me tonight that they want to start serving. (laughs) We serve a mighty God. 
Because as we were praying, guess what he was doing in people's homes? He was stirring in their heart. They didn't know that's what we were praying for. I didn't even know that's what we were going to pray for. That's the direction that God led us that week. But when I talk about you being involved, when I talk about you being a part of this discipleship process, here's what we're challenging everyone to do. And this is what I want you to examine in your heart and in your life and in your schedule. We pitched this to our new members. I mentioned it in here a few weeks ago. But we're simply asking you as a community of believers to give us three hours a week. Three hours a week. Now look, I know a lot of you give more than that, but this is a great place to start. We want you to join us for corporate worship for one hour. We're encouraging you to be part of a small group for one hour. But then we're also encouraging you to get it back for an hour. It's that simple. Because here's what I know about experiencing God and tasting and seeing how good God is. Once you give those three hours and once you begin to see God start moving in your life, once you see God begin to bless the ministries that you're involved in, guess what? It doesn't stop at three hours. You get to the point you can't get enough. You're like, man, when when, when are we gonna paint the parking lot and I come watch the paint dry? I've seen it. I've seen people get that excited about ministry. I've seen that people get that excited about serving. And so our heart's desire is we wanna see you flourish in the place that God has called you, the place that God has placed you. It's exactly why we're doing what we're doing next weekend. Go weekend. It's not something just to put on the calendar. Next Saturday, we're gonna be all throughout our community. We're gonna be doing everything from spreading mulch and trimming bushes to sharing the gospel and passing out candy and and loving on people. But you know, the fruits of good discipleship is what I'm about to tell you because You know, several weeks ago when we mentioned Go Weekend, we mentioned that Saturday, we said, church, we need 100 volunteers to pull that Saturday off. Guess what's had to happen? We've had to come up with more places to serve because we had too many people serving the kingdom of God. Yeah, somebody clap. Y'all need to clap for that. And so we've had to begin praying, God, send us somewhere else to go. Send us places to send our people because people are excited about going and saturating the world with the good news. And I am so thankful that this is what the model of discipleship is supposed to look like, is that we continue to go. When we provide our church, our staff's job is to provide you with the opportunity to go. You know, I remember back when I was in student ministry, we would usually take a group of students once or twice a year on an international mission trip. And most of the time we would take to camp, you know, we started out light. We went to Cambodia and Nepal, (laughs) a little tough. But I remember people would always ask me, Brian, is is this the trip God's called you to go on? You, specifically you? I was like, well, you know what? I've never thought about it that way because I knew my role was to equip the students to go. 
I just happened to got, I just got the opportunity to tag along with them and watch them serve. And can I tell you, there was nothing more rewarding than I would be sitting under a tent in Cambodia and it was 147 degrees and I would watch anywhere from a 12-year-old, 13-year-old to an 18-year-old sharing the gospel with people who were lost and dying and on their way to hell. And I would sit and watch the teenagers that I had loved, that I had poured into and watch them share the gospel and watch these Buddhists and these Hindus surrender their heart and their life to Christ. And I would sit there with tears rolling down my face because these were disciples who were saturating the world with the good news. And I loved every minute of it. And it had nothing to do with me. But to get to watch these students go and make disciples. So that is the very reason we're going next Saturday. Now, what I love about this team as well is we don't just say go, we join you in the going. We're gonna be locked arms with you. We're gonna be serving. We're gonna be doing everything that you're doing. And so we'll be doing that on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we're gonna gather in here just like we are today we're gonna to worship together. We're gonna to praise God together. And then next Sunday evening, we're all gonna make a trip on 365 North and we're gonna to go to an old barn. We're gonna to go to Walter's barn and we're gonna to worship together. We're gonna to fellowship together. We're just gonna have fun as a church family together. You're gonna to get to watch your kids run around, do some trunk or treat stuff. But you know, I wish I could say that I planned this next one, but how our whole Go Weekend just sort of all blends together. So we had set Go Weekend aside for Saturday. That's our day to go. Sunday's our day to kind of gather and just celebrate and be a church family. And then on Monday, there's gonna be a celebration banquet that takes place here Monday night. And it's for our international partner, RU4. Many of you know Dwight and Sue. Dwight is one of our elders now. But this is the, the conduit in which we go to Cambodia. We go to Nepal. They're actually having a celebration banquet here next Sunday night or next Monday night. And it's gonna be called Taste the Nations. Now I'll go ahead and warn you. Probably for the next two to three weeks, it's probably gonna stink. It's Taste the Nations. If you've ever gone to Cambodia, you've ever gone to Nepal, you've ever gone to India, it ain't Burger King. Okay? And so we get to celebrate that. We, you'll have an opportunity. To ha how does God have you serve? How does God want you to go? Does he want you to go? And if you wanna be a part of that celebration banquet tonight, I had someone hand me this on the way up here. Brianna, thank you. You can text RU4 to the number 84576. Okay, if you wanna do that, if you wanna RSVP to be a part of that, you text RU4, which is R, the letter U, the number four, to the number 84576. And you can kind of hear what RU4 is about and what we will um, be doing, partnering with them as they get ready to go because this whole thing's about to open back up and they're gonna get to get back on airplanes again for long. I'm believing everything in me that that's gonna take place. But that is the purpose of our Go Weekends. That's the purpose of us doing what we're doing next week is all part of this discipleship process. We wanna make disciples and all these are elements of that. And the reason that we wanna make disciples is because we wanna see results. We want 
to see results. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter four, flip over one page probably if it's like my Bible and look at verse 14. Paul tells us what the results look like. When disciples are being made, he starts out in verse 14 and he says, as a result. The result is a result of us equipping the saints for the work of the kingdom. This is a result of discipleship. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Here's the end result. Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. As a result of discipleship, the body's gonna grow. The body is going to grow. But the question is, are are you ready to grow? Are you ready to grow as a individual follower of Christ? Are you ready to grow as a church family? Because the reality is, as we grow, it's not gonna be the same little comfort thing we're used to. It's like the old analogy of the rubber band. A rubber band doesn't operate unless it's getting stretched. But the question is, church, are you fully vested in the discipleship process? What area of your life are you not vested in this process? And that's how we're really gonna end out this morning is as awkwardly as I know how. What area of your life do you need to surrender for this discipleship? Is it serving? Is it corporate worship? Is it being in a group? And the reason that we want all of those things for you because the reality is, is if you are actively being discipled, guess what's happening? You're making disciples. If you're actively being discipled, you're making disciples. Because you're growing in your faith, you're becoming deeper rooted in who Christ is. And the deeper you become rooted in who Christ is, it goes back to the reaction or the response that you can't be quiet about it. But the reality is this, I love you enough that I want you to taste and see how good God is. I love you enough to say you have an opportunity to give back, you have an opportunity to serve. My desire is not that you come in here on Sunday morning and just check church off your list for the week. 
If you do that, you're missing it. If you do that, you're missing it. You wait till you see the the fruits of you being discipled. You wait till you see the fruits of you discipling someone. It changes everything. I am so thankful. I've got like a half a dozen kids. And I am so thankful for what God is doing in our preschool, what God is doing in our kids' ministry, what God is doing in our student ministry. And yes, I know that we give Ingrid, I know that we give Sam Roberts, I know that we give Sam Bowman a lot of the credit for that. But the reality is, is guess what? They're equipping the saints to minister to all these little ones. It was last Monday night, I'm in my living room and I was in the recliner and Deacon comes running up to me and she says, Daddy. I said, what, baby? I was about to sleep, so probably had to wake me up. And she sits her little paper there on the couch beside us and she just looks at me and she says, Daddy, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And she goes on just quoting this scripture as a child who's not even five yet. And I just became so thankful. No, she doesn't understand who Jesus is yet. But the seeds of God's word are being planted. And I think Miss Ingrid would be the first one to tell you. She's probably not the one that did that. But it's someone who's serving with her. It's someone that she's given the opportunity to pour into my baby girl. And I'm telling you, church, what if that was you? You may be the one that taught Deacon that. I don't know, and if you did, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because the truth is, if somebody did that for you, Somebody poured that into you. Show you how good God is. It has nothing to do with my notes, and I know I'm kind of going over, but that's okay too. When we prayed for God to send the workers a few weeks ago, I was praying, and God just began to reveal the men and women as a child who had poured into me. I remember going through those names. I begin to say thank you, God, for Miss Merritt and her little Velcro board. Thank you, God, for a Ken Taylor. Thank you, God, for a David Ellis. Thank you, God, for a Lowell Whitmire. And I began to think of all these men and women. But just truthfully, you heard me say the name David Ellis. I haven't thought about David Ellis in years. He was my RA director 
royal ambassador. As a royal ambassador, I would do my best becoming well, and I still remember my pledge. Little did I know that there's a man here that was in pray for that night that works with David Ellis. He went back to David Ellis yesterday, that week and told him. He said, our pastor thanked God for you last night. And David Ellis stood there with tears rolling down his face because he said, you don't know how bad I needed that. Simply because he poured out. That's all part of the discipleship process. What part of the discipleship process do you need to surrender to? I really don't know how to end this morning. Maybe it's just simply you falling on your face before God and thanking God for who discipled you. Maybe it's you falling on your face and saying, God, who can I disciple? Or maybe it's you falling on your face and saying, God, I need a small group. God, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to give back? Or maybe you're even struggling with last week when we looked at Colossians 2. Now that you've received him, you walk with him. Maybe you've never received him. Can I tell you, if you've never accepted the good news, then you don't have the good news to share. But I can show you from God's word how you can accept that, how you can receive that, and how you can follow that. So church, I want you to stand to your feet this morning and I just want you to be obedient with whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do today. Maybe it's just simply thanking God for who poured into you. Or maybe you ask God, God, what open doors do I need to walk through? God, I thank you for your word, Lord. I know that today my mind has been everywhere. But God, I know that I'm in love with this group of people enough that I want to see them flourish in the place that you've planted them. So God, just let us respond to you speaking. Let us respond to your voice this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.